Hello and welcome to The Joe Mobley Show. I'm your host, Joe Mobley, and you're listening to the only place in cyberspace where we talk about being conservative. We hit on current events, the politically correct cancel culture, and problems with civil discourse. But most importantly, we discuss what you can do to come out of the conservative closet. The Joe Mobley Show is a new and exciting podcast that airs weekly on Monday mornings. We have a range of controversial topics on deck. Even so, it's important that we hear from you what matters most. Be sure to send questions, comments, and things you'd like to hear discussed to ask at thejoemobleyshow.com. That's ask at thejoemobleyshow.com. To make sure you stay informed on the latest content, be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Welcome back to The Joe Mobley Show. I'm your host, Joe Mobley, and we have with us today Dr. Ashley Brady. Uh, Ashley is a rock star chiropractor um, who operates her own holistic practice out of Lawton, Oklahoma, uh, called Let It Be, and you can uh, learn more about that at letitbechiro.com. You can also get in touch with Ashley on Facebook at Let It Be Chiropractic or on Instagram at Dr. Ashley Brady, all one word. Ashley, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me, by the way. I'm super excited. I'm good, too, and I'm also very excited. I've had a ton of fun doing these interviews. Um, Yeah, I guess some people are really stressed out by hosting podcasts. I just think it's a lot of fun, so super excited. Thanks for agreeing to do this. Of course. All right. So I know you, but the listeners don't. Uh, So tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, how you got to where you are. Uh, Do you want me to like start in the beginning? Um, You you start where you want. Okay. Well, um, I am a family wellness chiropractor. Um, How I ended up here is kind of a long story. Um, but to make it short, um, I graduated high school from Mountain View Godibo High School here in Oklahoma. Um, went to college at Southwestern Oklahoma State University. Um, I was on a totally different path other than natural medicine. Um, and somehow I just ended up on the right path, ended up changing my degree, got a bachelor's, and then went on to chiropractic school in Dallas, Texas at Parker University. Um and somehow ended up back in Lawton, Oklahoma, opening my own practice. I still scratch my head and wonder how I did that, but um, here I am. Uh, my specialty is seeing uh, prenatal and pediatrics. Seeing whole families is kind of my jam, and we have a ton of fun every day. So kind of a long story short, but um, that's kind of the whole synopsis. <laughs> Very cool stuff. I can personally attest to the experience. Uh, I'm super bummed because my whole family, like all three of my kids and my wife, uh, got to be patients of Ashley's. But I didn't, and which is weird because I saw three different chiropractors in Lawton uh, while I was there. Uh, but I never got to see you as a patient. Um, so, yes, one day I'll have to get, you know... Ashley Brady adjustments. Yes, Um, 100%. Yeah, I will say I do have an awesome chiropractor here, uh, Dr. Smiley, who 
works out of Dr. Greenfelder's office, which doesn't mean anything to anyone listening, but I guess some free advertising for them. Um, huge fans, <laughs> huge fans of Cairo. So it's, it's amazing stuff. People don't really know all of the things that it can help with. Um, but just looking at Cairo kids, um, you can just tell they have a different sparkle in their eye. So, well, with 2020, with everything that's gone on, you know, people need a lot of things like <laughs> church and coffee and like a box of chill pills. But yes. people should also get a chiropractor. Like, go twice a week, it'll make your life better and make you less angry on the internet. I promise. 100%. There was a chiropractic meme out on Instagram and it had a picture of like the whole world burning. And then it had a picture, I think it was of like Will Ferrell. And it was like, do you need an adjustment? And it was 100% yes. (laughs) (laughs) So we were just in the little green room and I mentioned the green room on like every interview now, but I keep forgetting to tell people this. And now I'm just like, screw it. Just going (laughs) to say it now even though we've started there's a little chat thing here um so you can take advantage of that oh, okay you know if someone is like robbing where you're at or something you can type okay. SOS or something <laughs> anyway i always forget to say that it's a really cool zencaster feature more free advertising uh, for other companies but here we are it's 2020 Every day, several times of day, some crazy, something happening in the news. And we don't need to get into any of that because this show is about navigating conservatism, which we'll probably end up getting into that stuff. Uh, But the whole point here, the number one question always is, do you think that conservatives are in the closet? Um, I don't think that they're in the closet necessarily. Um, I just think that they aren't quite as vocal, um, or maybe are a little quieter about their beliefs and their views in general than maybe some of the other perspectives out there, if that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, why do you think that is? I think, well, from personal experience, I don't feel like people can have just civilized conversations when they have different views um, than the other person, Um, especially from one side more than the other. I think conservatives tend to get a little bit more backlash or maybe a lot more backlash um, for expressing their views. And I think a lot of times, you know, we just feel like it's not worth it to get into a confrontation with someone that maybe we don't even know that well, or we know that the situation is going to escalate pretty quickly. And do you really want to make a big scene about it? At least that's my perspective is a lot of times I think it's just not even worth it to go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, yeah, it sounds like you're saying there's potential for conflict, but it also sounds like there's potential for loss of some type yeah, I think, I think because the climate is so polarized, like there is so much division in our country right now um, that, I don't know, people just can't agree to disagree. 
and still be friends. It's almost kind of like, I don't understand where you're coming from. And so therefore I'm just going to cut ties with you altogether or you're a horrible person or, you know, something very negative has to come out of that situation is what it seems like to me. Um, And I don't think that that's the way that it needs to be at all. Um, Why can't we sit down and express our differing views and maybe try to understand where the other person is coming from um, rather than just jumping to conclusions and automatically assuming that they're a terrible person for believing in something different than you? hundred percent. This is, uh, I, I need to put this on my website, but this is what I call PC3. Remember this, folks, you heard it here first, but it all goes together. It's like, it's nonsense. It's a politically correct cancel culture. Like yes. if you don't follow the rules, you know, like now life is supposed to come with like an instruction manual and it's like playing Monopoly or some ridiculous board game where it's like, if you don't follow these rules, uh, then you're canceled. It's over for you. Yeah, pretty much. And people, especially what I call, or what I guess a lot of people call keyboard warriors, um, they have no problems, you know, saying nasty things to you, private messaging you and telling you that you're going to have to answer for whoever you voted for when you die. That happened to me personally. Um, you know, they have no problems attacking your business. And these are people that, have, you know, you've never met in your entire life. They know nothing about you. And to me, that's just insane. 100% keyboard warriors. It's funny because, like, you know me in real life. You've been, you know, around me at church or Bible study or just out in public. Yeah. You know, I... Uh, stealing from John Lovell here. Um, he, he's got a company called uh, the Warrior Poet Society. And he talks a lot about masculinity. He talks a lot about, um, you know, how people are the apex predator and, and we're inherently dangerous because we're people, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not hard to kill, but we're inherently dangerous. But typically, I'm one of the more dangerous people, if not the most dangerous person in the room, Mm-hmm. So sometimes these encounters that I have with these keyboard warriors is just like people don't talk like this in real life. No one would ever speak to me that way to my face unless it was like some kind of mob or something. Well, no, because used to, you know, people had no problems putting you in your place when somebody said something or disrespected you in person. Mm-hmm. And we've just kind of lost that face-to-face factor, right? Like you said, they would probably never say those things to my face in person. But online, it's pretty easy just to say nasty things and not have repercussions. Um, It's really sad to me that we've come to this place in life. Yeah, so obviously the internet's here to stay. Uh, you know, people who thought smartphones and technology was a fad were obviously wrong. So <laughs> what, what do you think could be done to like bring back face to face, like meaningful communication? You know, I don't know. It's something that I've thought about a lot, honestly. I think part of it, you know, 
has to do with giving our kids devices at such young ages. Um, Throwing like a little chiropractic blurb in there, chiropractors are now dealing with something we call text neck, which is where people's cervical curves are reversing because everyone's constantly looking down at a device. Um, You know, why does a six-year-old need a cell phone? Um, I think that we're kind of conditioning our society at very young ages just to be on a device, and that's how we communicate. You know, people talk about millennials all the time not knowing how to have a conversation in person because all they do is text all day, every day. Like, if they can't text you, they're not going to talk to you type thing. So, I mean, this kind of has to come from a personal choice of just putting the device down And really, you know, investing personal time into your family, into your friends, making it an intention to spend quality time with those people without the distraction of devices. Um, But like I said, that kind of has to be more of a personal choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, lots of good research on that. I just want to tell you, like, the influence that you just had on everyone. Cause I'm, I just did it. Everyone who listens to this is going to do this. You didn't even know when you said and spoke about text neck, yeah. like I like, you know, sit up straight <laughs> and I'm like rubbing my neck. I'm like trying to be like, Oh my gosh, what, what's going on with my cervical spine? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's and what's going to happen to everyone listening to this. I need to do a video of, you know, proper desk ergonomics. And if you're going to hold your cell phone for, you know, 30 minutes, what angle do you need to be holding it at to support your cervical curve? Totally nerdy stuff, but it's stuff that I love. Yes, I will watch that and feel bad about myself. I, I am <laughs> doing the whole thing like once an hour, once every 90 minutes, even if I'm on a meeting. I stand up and like I saw this on, um, oh, what's his name? He's got a company called Athlean X. He's like a YouTuber, Jeff Cavalier. And like, it's so weird. I like put my hands like on the back of my hips. Yeah. And like a pregnant woman and like, <laughs> and like lunge. I, there's no other way to say this. I, I just like lunge my pelvis forward. You got to uh-huh. check that the webcam's off for this. Uh, <laughs> And <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So anyway, I do that for about a minute every hour, hour and a half. Uh, and Perfect. also, you know, you got to stand up and walk around uh, my stupid body. Yes. Movement but. is life because it literally feeds your brain. So if you're mm-hmm. not getting up every 30 minutes to an hour, you need to be just putting that out there for the world to hear. So I, uh, hashtag movement is medicine. Yes. Uh, I saw, um, I saw something, I don't remember where, and I'm like, yes, I do this. People need to do this. And what you said about, you know, making decisions, you know, for your family or for yourself as an individual about devices and screen time and stuff. Uh, I think another thing that we can do and the way that we communicate, uh, and yes, this would just make me happy because I hate anonymous surveys. I, I hate them with a fiery passion. <laughs> um, but start signing your name to stuff. Um, you know, I, I was in the military for 11 years. When you're in the military, you have to live essentially an apolitical life, um, at, at least publicly. Uh, 
but even there, every little anonymous survey I always sign my name to um, when I do medical surveys, when I do, uh, unless it specifically says that identifying information will actually uh, make the survey invalid, which I look for because I'm the person that always signs my name at work um, with my new company. I always do this. One, because I want people to know that uh, my my comments, my feelings, my feedback is genuine and authentic, and I'm I'm willing to say that under my own name. Uh, but two, it also invites dialogue instead. Usually, you put out a feedback survey. You know, you run a business, you put out surveys, you get just anonymous stuff. Some of it's great, some of it's you know just people venting or whatever or having a good idea fairy. But there's no way to reach back and have like a good dialogue and a good exchange um, because of this anonymous society. So super practical thing people could do because part of the purpose of the show is like, what can we do? I, I think I think conservatives are in the closet. Um, you know, shortly after the election, um, you kind of look at the numbers and it's saying like 74, 76 million votes for Joe, 71, 72 million votes for Trump. Um, that's about half. Uh, yeah. So there in Oklahoma, you can go outside and you can find five out of 10 people that are conservative. But in the rest of the United States, absolutely not. Uh, finding an openly conservative, not even someone who's saying I'm a card-carrying Republican, but just saying that I have conservative ideals is like finding a unicorn out in the rest of the world. <laughs> That's very true. Um, I really hadn't thought about signing your name to stuff. You made a really good point, and I really like that idea because it also holds you accountable um, for being able to explain your points of view, right? A lot of people in today's society, they have an opinion or a view, but they don't really have a, like any way to back it up, I guess. Um, it's just because maybe that's how they grew up or that's what somebody told them to believe in. Um, so I really like that, putting your name on it and like owning it, right? Um, and I guess I could see where, you know, in certain states that tend to run more liberal or whatever, finding a conservative would be hard. Um, and I think that that just goes back to, you know, not necessarily fear of people, you know, attacking them or whatever, Um but from what we're seeing on the news, which I don't really watch anymore, but, you know, there are certain jobs where if you wear a Trump hat, you get fired or, you know, certain things like that. Um, I think that that not speaking out about your beliefs kind of stems from some of that. I wanted to take a quick moment and let you know that there is additional content from The Joe Mobley Show available for those of you who contribute to the show. To get access to the rest of The Joe Mobley Show's content, go to thejoemobleyshow.com and hit support the show. Any amount over $1 gets you access to exclusive content. That's right, we'll take whatever you're willing to contribute, but just $1 gets you access to exclusive interview content, Q&As from our listeners, and more. Now let's get back to the show. 100% agree. Yeah, it's... Huh, it's gotten nuts what you can and can't do. You know, there used to be a time uh, where it's funny. People used to say, well, it's a free country, isn't it? 
but actually it's not if you get fired or get arrested for saying stuff. Uh, and that gets into the whole idea of hate speech, mm-hmm. um, which is nuts. And I've always said this to people, um, you know, and, and I know something about it. My grandpa was a, a wealthy black man. My grandma was a German immigrant coming here, you know, post World War II, blonde haired, blue eyed Germans aren't like the world's favorite. Um, so they definitely know something about segregation and hate and whatnot. But people actually have the right to hate stuff like octopus. I hate octopus. <laughs> you know, I, I guess whatever ism that you can have against sea creatures, I have. Uh, but the thing is, I'm allowed to, and there's actually some people out there that love octopus, either the preservation of the animal or to eat the animal, and all of them, they have the right to do that too, Uh, but we can't really just decide that one of those preference groups is the bad one that we're canceling, and if you're part of it, you're fired, and you're a terrible, terrible person, Uh, which ultimately, all of these roads end with Hitler, like... Yeah. <laughs> You're a Nazi. And it's like, oh, like I, I'm a black inner city guy. It's, it's kind of a, a hard sell to be like I'm a Nazi. Uh, anyway. Uh, oh, and I'm in an interracial relationship. They would have definitely killed me. I would have been. And, you know, it just, the jumping to conclusions is what kills me and the hypocrisy of it all, right? Um, People are only all about their own agenda. And if it doesn't feed into their agenda, the other side is a terrible person, you know, they're racist, sexist, whatever. Um, But there is a lot of hypocrisy going on right now. Um, There probably always has been, but I feel like 2020 has really just kind of amplified it or I guess shown the spotlight on it. Um, It's been really interesting to watch, but it's also been a lot to where, you know, I've had to get off of social media for longer periods of time. Um, You can get into the black hole of conspiracy theories, which, you know, I love, but um, it just becomes a lot all at once. Yeah. We, we talked about this before, um, but you know, people that know me personally know that a number of years ago, I just got off of social media. I was like, I don't need this. I didn't have any big problems. I just looked at it and said, this doesn't add any value to my life. And a lot of people it does. Uh, but to me, it didn't, um, of course, with the exception being LinkedIn. Uh, and I, I have kind of a robust LinkedIn thing going on. Uh, but I got back on social media intentionally during this, you know, most ridiculous of years. Uh, and I'm like, all right, I'm not going to put a lot of time. Actually, I'm not going to put a lot of money into this, but I'm going to put a lot of time at, into this podcast effort, but not with social media. So I, I'm going through and I'm like, Pat Flynn, love Pat Flynn, passiveincome.com, greatest guy in the world, giving away all kinds of good information. Uh, But he's like, guys, you don't need all the social media stuff. If you do, then just pick one, be consistent with it. So the one that I unfortunately had to pick just because of like, you know, politics and news and whatnot was Twitter and Twitter, man. (laughs) Holy goodness. It's just 
it's the like Trump's always like drain the swamp. Like the internet swamp is Twitter. I, I feel like it's undrainable at this point. Yes, that is the one platform I don't have because at this point I can't even handle Instagram and Facebook. I feel like Twitter would just be way too much. But I see people post on Instagram pictures of tweets and whatnot, and I'm just like, mm, this is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's funny that one side's talking about hate speech and all this this is a freaking true story i get on twitter i'm like telling eliza um you know for those of you that don't know eliza's my wife and i'm saying to eliza babe i i need to get back on social media she was like oh boy this is gonna be exciting (laughs) like i'm probably thinking i was just gonna be like tearing into people that that's not what i'm here to do but uh i i set up a twitter and i promise you before I, I may have sent a tweet just like I'm back on social media or maybe it was even before that, but I got like a negative message and maybe like a thumbs down immediately uh, before, like before I'd even done anything. (laughs) I'm just like, oh my gosh, they can, they can feel the conservatism on uh, Joe Mobley. That sounds like a conservative guy. You just radiate it over the internet. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's the the confidence and uh, education and not really caring what other people think. It's like, why aren't you sad that we don't like you? <laughs> I don't have time for that. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. So this is another thing that I've been forgetting on most of my interviews. Uh, so I'm going to do it now so I don't have to try and do editor magic later. Uh, but obviously guys, this is a podcast. Uh, so please, wherever you listen to podcasts, um, we don't have a like button. We have a subscribe button and that's the one that I'm going to need you to hit. Uh, and if you're feeling super into the show, then you can leave a review. All reviews are welcome, but five star reviews are especially appreciated. Um, if you are going to leave a one, two, three, four star review, please leave some good information, uh, some things that I can work on, some things that you want to see on the show. And if you're really feeling rambunctious, you can sign your actual name. I promise nothing bad will happen to you. You're not going to get canceled. Your boss, well, your boss might fire you for listening to a conservative podcast, uh, but you'll just have to deal with that personally so the joe mobley show wherever you listen to podcasts and hit the subscribe button and you can watch the trailers on youtube i'm not actually growing uh, presence there but if you're on youtube watching the trailers then go ahead and smash the like button that's what they want you to say for youtube right now smash the like button yeah you gotta say it like everyone says it and they like press their finger into the camera smash the like button uh some people just say it like smash 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 (laughs) All right, and now back to us. <laughs> Play a little music jingle or something. I love it. All right, so what's what's been the most interesting thing to happen to you this year? Uh, uh, of course, you got engaged. I'm sure that's the most exciting thing to happen to you. Uh, but what's what's the most interesting thing that's been happening to you this year? Oh my gosh, where do you even start? 2020 has been a cluster for everyone. Um, So yeah, I did get engaged this summer. So we're super excited about that. Planning a wedding in 2020 um, and trying to, you know, plan and book a honeymoon has been super interesting. 
which obviously I don't really have anything to compare it to just, you know, from stories of what my friends have told me about planning a wedding and everything. It's a little bit different. Um, I think the most interesting thing from an observation standpoint is watching people kind of process what's happening. I'm kind of a people watcher. I like to observe people out and about. Like that's why I love airports. I just like people watching. Um, but watching people, you know, wear a mask into a store or have a conversation about a mask. Like, it's been really interesting to kind of see the dialogue between people and watch them kind of process what's happening and reason it out and use logic. Some people I don't think use a ton of logic, which is also very interesting. Um, But yeah, to me, that's kind of been the most interesting part of 2020 is watching everyone's reactions and how they are responding, you know, like the toilet paper crisis and (laughs) stuff like that. Um, Aside from that, the other interesting part is watching the healthcare model. Um, you know, chiropractic is considered an alternative healthcare profession. Um, and a ton of people, you know, were freaking out about businesses closing and small businesses. And yet my business has been steady, which has been very interesting. People are tired of traditional healthcare. And that's been a really interesting conversation in my office as well. It sounds like you've been talking to my wife because we... <laughs> are basically over it with doctors. I mean, if you want to talk about cowardice, and I've said this a hundred times, okay? This is a soapbox of mine. There's the bumper sticker. I actually said this uh, earlier today, so it's funny. Second time for me. (laughs) This bumper sticker wisdom, that integrity is doing the right thing when no one's looking. Uh, Sorry to bumper stickers and internet philosophers out there. That's actually false. It's incredibly easy to do the right thing when no one's looking. It's also incredibly easy to do the wrong thing when no one's looking. What integrity is about is doing the right thing when everyone is looking, when all eyes are on you and the right thing is wildly unpopular. And if you're a doctor out there, um, I don't subscribe to the appeals to authority fallacy. I don't care that you're a doctor. You don't know anything more about data than I do. You don't know anything more about reading than I do. So there are just a lot of things that I'll say to not say that people are lying. I'll say there are a lot of things out there that are misleading and don't make a lot of sense. Um, And some of you know this and some brave doctors have come out and that moment where you were ex- intensely ostracized for saying something that's unpopular, those doctors have come out and said the unpopular thing, which is true integrity. Um, and now people are saying they're not real doctors. It's like, of course they are. They see thousands of patients every year. Their being a doctor has never been called into question until they deign to go against the narrative, the official opinion of anyone who lives in the United States. And it's just like, it's sad. It's bled into other things. And I actually am uniquely qualified for this. The emergency response, crisis communications and all of that stuff, which is what my master's is in, um, which I've also worked in for nearly a decade, has been a little atrocious. I mean, think about this. 
the government does have the authority um, to, from small town government to your state government, government with the governor up to the president, they do have a lot of what we'd call executive authority um, in times of emergency. That's just basic crisis management doctrine, uh, which is legal, which is totally fine. But there needs to be a standard of evidence. You know, there needs to be a threshold for what actually constitutes a crisis. And now every day that goes by, there's more and more data. And if we were to round up here and say across the board with no exception for old age comorbidities, no exception for kids or healthy teens, young adult, whatever, if we just rounded up and said COVID absolutely kills 1% of people who get it. From an emergency management perspective, something that kills 1% of people who get it and actually doesn't infect a huge sum of the population, it doesn't rise to the level of sweeping emergency measures. Does that make sense? Oh, 100%. And I think that that's been one of my biggest frustrations as a chiropractor. And, you know, I understand that my viewpoint on health is not mainstream. Um, That's what I love about it is, you know, I have a totally different perspective on health than most because I believe that the power that made the body heals the body. We have the ability to heal ourselves when we give our bodies what they need. Um, and you know, from my perspective, this isn't a health crisis, right? Like for those people who are severely compromised, um, you know, immunocompromised, yeah, COVID can be a pretty big deal. So can the flu, so can pneumonia and all of these other illnesses that still in fact exist that we've kind of forgotten about, right? Like people can't just have a normal cold these days without people, you know, you can't sneeze in the grocery store without people like looking at you and being like, <gasps> you know, <laughs> allergies have- are still a thing, people. Yeah. And, you know, at this point in the game, um, we've been dealing with this for how many months now? And it feels you know, like 45 months. Yeah. It feels like a lifetime and the majority of our population is still alive and still well. Um, and people are recovering at a, you know, a pretty decent rate. So at this point, like you were saying, there needs to be guidelines and there needs to be parameters that have to be met to justify the measures that are being taken. Like at what point now do we say, okay, COVID is pretty much done. We can remove all the mandates. We can, you know, undo the lockdowns. We can do all of these things. At what point can we say that? at this point in time, because we've come so far in this. And there's been so much conflicting data on COVID. You know, at one point they were reporting a certain set of numbers from the CDC. And then they came out and said, well, we might've inflated those numbers just a little bit, but it was by the thousands. And to me, that's not a little bit, right? And that's not an accident um, from, you know, my perspective. So then it's like, how do you even know which numbers to trust at this point? And so I don't know, like, I don't really know where you go from here. um, And how do you reset those parameters to be met at this point? 
without saying, sorry, guys, like we shut down the country, you know, and we didn't meet these parameters to begin with. Yeah, that's half the battle right there, because essentially um, what we're looking for from our, and I put in quotes here, leaders, uh, we do have a lot of good public leaders out there, but unfortunately it seems that the majority are just pretty terrible and ill-equipped uh, to do their jobs. Well, and you But know, it's like we're asking them to say, we're, we were wrong, we apologize, and they just refuse. Well, yeah, that's a really hard one to come back from. Um, but, you know, back to your comment about the doctors standing up and, you know, saying these treatments work and they were ostracized. You know, that is the majority of doctors that I've come across um, lately is everyone's afraid to speak out because we know what would happen right? Like people kind of made an example of those doctors who went very public. And so for doctors who have small businesses or work for hospitals that, you know, have to meet certain numbers and, you know, they just, they feel like they can't speak out without just being completely, I guess, shunned from their own community. Yeah, this whole thing uh, is just, yeah. Which, you know, doesn't make it right either. Like you said, true integrity is doing the right thing even when it's hard, which is what makes it very difficult. So that's where at this point, you know, like you said, those people who have kind of been misleading people up to this point, I don't see them being like, oh, yeah, our bad guys, (laughs) we made a very big mistake. Yeah, exactly. Um, which so I'm not holding my breath for that. I'm I'm telling people let's just let's deal with the facts that we can deal with. The government does have the power to do that. I'm the first person to tell people the government has a lot of authority in in times of crisis and should have a lot of authority. I know that's not like a mainstream stream conservative thing being said right now. Um, yeah, but there's a lot of things. There are a lot of threats that it's good that the government has these authorities uh, to kind of step in for. But when we're dealing with matters at home, there really needs to be a higher standard of evidence. Otherwise, you know, I'm a security expert. I could rise to high office and I could put in all kinds of measures and just say, guys, you don't understand the threat, but I'm the security guy. And I'm telling you that walking outside of your house makes you 9,000 times more likely to die, so everyone has to stay inside their house. But in reality, that's not true. But I'm the guy. I'm, I'm the big government guy. It's just, yeah, we, we've got a... What I want to see come out of this whole thing is policy reform for the emergency management like mechanism. Like, when can this type of thing be switched on, uh, which companies have. Private companies can't just, an employee can't just raise a red flag and then the whole company go into this crazy emergency response. There actually needs to be a standard of evidence to initiate the emergency response. And unfortunately with COVID, it's not there and never has been. There was the time where we didn't know what we were dealing with, supposedly, if, if this you know, if this truly just happened the way that they've said that it happened, 
Um, there was a time where we didn't know what we were dealing with and tensions were high and every week and every month that ticked by, you know, we can kind of turn the alarm off now. Uh, here, what is it right now? It's like December 4th. Yeah. yeah so like, what are we doing? Well, you know, that's the thing is in the beginning, it was appropriate to say, hey, we don't know what this is. We don't know what it's capable mm-hmm. of, you know, and there should have been precautions taken when you don't know what something is. That's totally fair. Um, but at this point in the game, because I feel like most people have probably already been exposed to it, um, you know, where do we go from here and how can we move forward from this? Because the mental health aspect of this thing is incredible. I mean, I've seen it in my patients in the office. Just everyone is tired. Everyone is sick and tired of dealing with the media and, you know, all of the things. It's taken a huge toll on our kiddos from the social aspect. And so at what point are we willing to sacrifice those things um, for the quote-unquote greater good, I guess? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's this year's been the worst to to be like the parent of three small children. Yes. Um, but before we get into that, uh, man, I'm killing it on this episode, guys. I'm remembering the things that I plan to say. I don't even have notes. I'm doing little finger pistols. Good thing that you can't see me, but I guess I just told you that I'm doing it. Um, so we are here at the last question, and then we're actually going to dive into that last point that Ashley brought up, but that is going to be behind the paywall, and you know what to do to get behind the paywall. Go over to thejoemobleyshow.com, hit the support the show button, and fill out the form. Um, there's no recommended amount, but the amount that gets you behind the paywall is a dollar. So uh, anything over a dollar gets you exclusive interviews, um, lots of good stuff there. Um, also, if you do a ask the host, if you set up one of those calls on the contact form at the website, that's how you can get to that portion of the interview as well. Uh, so Ashley, we are here at the end of the free portion anyway. Uh, same question, every guest gets it. Aside from a prescribed religious text, uh, we're talking the official religious texts of Christianity or uh, Judaism, Hindu, Islam, what have you. If you could get everyone on earth to read and understand one book, what would it be? And you know you're going to have to tell us why. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'm kind of a nerd and I love books. So A, it was really hard to pick a book. Um, but I went with The Biology of Belief by Bruce Lipton. Um, I love Bruce Lipton's work. And the biology of belief um, explains how basically our brains are wired um, at a very young age in life and how that's what controls how we operate later in life subconsciously. It's what creates our habits, our quote-unquote beliefs, um, how we react to situations, kind of what our triggers are. And he explains that, you know, that doesn't have to be our life, right? You can break those cycles if you do the right things. Um, and you can basically take control over your brain and over your health. He also explains how all of that stuff affects our health and how, um, 
you aren't destined to have your parents' diseases, basically. You know, you hear a lot of these health conditions are hereditary and genetic. Well, it doesn't have to be that way for you. You can take control of that as well. So Bruce Lipton stuff is really cool. I also highly recommend Joe Dispenza's books as well. <laughs> that last part, I thought you were saying that you highly recommend that I dispense something. Like, <laughs> no, oh, <uh-oh." laughs> no, no. Uh, Joe Dispenza, he has a book called Becoming Supernatural um, that is sitting on my desk waiting to be read. I've heard great things about it. So uh, a plug for a book I haven't read yet, but his stuff is usually really good as well. Look at you squeezing in two books, two authors. Uh, I'm only actually familiar uh, with one, although I haven't read that book that you said, The Biology of Belief. Uh, But you know that I'm a huge nerd, so I will be checking that out. Uh, Ashley Brady, thanks so much for being here. Uh, As my kids love to (laughs) yell and scream, Dr. Ashley, uh, chiropractic rock star. Again, you can get in touch with her, especially if you're in southwestern Oklahoma. I mean, anywhere from Wichita Falls, Texas to Oklahoma City, it's worth the drive um, to just get an awesome experience um, with some holistic, uh, well, I say holistic medical practice, but some people say, no, a chiropractor is a chiropractor, whatever. <laughs> Go to the website, letitbechiro.com. Again, you can check her out on Facebook, Let It Be Chiropractic, or on Instagram at Dr. Ashley Brady, all one word. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much. I really had a lot of fun. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Joe Mobley Show. Remember to subscribe and make sure you don't miss out on future content. You can always show your support by leaving a review or making a financial contribution by going to thejoemobleyshow.com and hitting support the show. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. If that was the first prayer you've ever prayed, I hope it won't be the last. Until next time, this is The Joe Mobley Show.